Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. All right, we have, this morning we're going to share some stories of the on-country trip. Um, and uh, I've invited a few folk to come and join me. So those of you who are sharing, why don't you come and sit? Uh, we're going to come on down to the stage. While they're doing that, two things. Can I encourage you to say hello to the people around you that you haven't perhaps said hello to yet this morning? And as you do it, could you come and, particularly our young people, come and join us at the front because we're going to kind of just share from the front and a lot of you are like way back in the hall. So come, come a bit closer. That would be awesome. Now, we're going to be talking a little about, bit about the trip. Um, hopefully, you can see those photos, but if you can't, we can try and kind of cut some of the lights on the stage. But um, So, let me just kick off by letting you folk know what we mean by on, on country. So, um, a team of us went up from Northridge, what was it, like two weeks ago? It's all a bit of a blur. Um, and we, the, basically, the trip was about going and serving and learning from uh, the Murrawari people, which is an Aboriginal group of people that live, uh, and that's what this is about, it, right up far north in New South Wales, right up by the Queensland border. Um, it feels like the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's, if, if any of you are familiar with some of the towns up there, it's sort of set between Burke on that far southwest corner, right up to Gaduga which you can see a signpost for there. We were based in pretty much in the centre in a town called Wilmaringle. Um, if you go up to Dubbo and then you drive another five hours north, that's where you get to, uh, if you ever wondered. <laughs> Most people I've talked to, they stop at Dubbo. So that, that's, that's what you get. Um, can you just go on to the next photo? That'd be awesome. So we, we were based uh, really in a... Um, we were based in school for most of where we, where we were working. Um, and just very briefly, one of the key things that we did was serve the local community by doing some building projects, which these guys no doubt will share some photos of, um, in the primary school, in the public school there. Um, and, and our heart was to serve the um, Marawari people and their heart for their nation by helping to create some sense of community and so we built a community barbecue kind of area in the school, um, a sandpit for the kids, and just kind of improved some of the pathways and that kind of stuff. So it was tough work. Um, and we also spent a lot of time just learning and talking with the Aboriginal elders that we met up there and got to know, um, learning from them in many ways in, uh, in, out of a sign of love and respect towards them because it's such a part of their um, something they love to do is to share their culture and in that way invite us in. And we have some wonderful opportunities to bless them. Um, so I'm going to get the team just to share and we're going to kick off with Hugh. 
Uh, there was one more photo, actually, just before Q kicks off. So that was the school that we were based in. And you can just see like, how dead flat it was. It was really floodplains. Um, so yeah, it was a very different experience. But I'm going to kick off with Hugh, and then we're going to hear from Nate, and then Viv, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Uh, we might even do questions at the end, if, if people are feeling brave, but we'll see. All right, over to you, mate. Thank you. Do you want to take that? Lovely. OK. Um, wow, this is uh, unusual for me. I haven't been in church for probably two years, really, regularly at all. So I've just had some worship. I'm all over the place. My head's all spinning. My heart's not sure what it's doing. So I want to try and um, express a little bit of what happened um, on our trip. Um, I'm an explorer, actually. I love to discover new places and new things and new relationships and places. I'm a geography teacher. So all I talk about, not all I talk about, but much of what I talk about is the land and also the relationship that we have with that land. Um, I'm not going to go through that today so much, but there is a few points I'd love to make about how I relate to country or how I relate as a person, as a Christian, to um, the landscape. A big part of why I went was to listen and to learn. Um, that's what teachers tend not to do so much. We tend to, well, we actually have to do a lot more of that today. We have to listen and learn about the environments that we live in. Um, the lovely thing about going on country was that didn't work. We ditched that. Well, I couldn't, mine didn't work. I didn't have Telstra. So I had the space to withdraw. And I think that's so important to get away from the distractions. I love that. I love the solitude that comes from that. I love the silence and the space and the place that I have to open up my heart to what's going on in my life. So that was my first big thing. I love to find the wilderness. I think it's important for us to find those remote places. Jesus went into the wilderness and he came back refreshed. He came back having spent time with his father. So for me, trying to find some of that in the bush, on country, in country, however you like to put it, was really important for me. Um, I went because I had a curiosity and I wanted to experience being with First Nations brothers and sisters. That was my big aim. It wasn't to so much, I guess it was have to, to have fun in the process of doing that, but really to, to be curious. I love to ask questions. I love to understand and find purpose and reason for where we are and how we live with others. Um, so really, I just wanted to experience a bit of their story. And the only place you can really do that, to some extent, is to be with folk who actually can tell their story. But I also wanted to, oh, it's gone. I wanted to share the time with other people too. It's coming up. The photograph up there was of who went with, with um, on country. Now, it's the, it is, it's the silly one. Um, because it, it was a lot of fun, you know, and actually being with others with a similar purpose in mind, and I think we all went with that, we self-selected, so we went with a purpose in mind, and it, it just sort of shows a little bit of our other sides, and, and it really does, because, you know, when we do these things, we join in with other people's journeys too. So another part of this was really just to help and understand some of the journeys that other people are in. Because that changes us, that transforms us, and we understand that we don't, we're not just the only ones with struggles. I loved hearing 
um, from Viv and how she is a part of a group that actually go out and assist and help Afghan people who have just arrived, new families. I never knew that. And it really encouraged me to think, yeah, that's something I always wanted to do, and that's something that I can get involved in as well. Also being with Nate, you know, what a, what a generation. There's a whole lot of different people there, different ages. Nate was the youngest. I can't think who was the oldest. Um, but even so, you know, we did it together. So that was a real joy. It's just talking, chatting, hearing their stories as well. Um, okay, next one. This is, uh, as, uh, as Rob said, this is where we went to do the work, I suppose. So this is a, uh, the school. You can see there's a reasonable number of resources there and that sort of stif stuff. But there's one principal called Michael and the six children, and he is it. So he has to run that school on his own. He has two helpers, um, but really that's it. He's remote. He's out in the middle of nowhere. And he really, he's, the last 12 weeks, he's been trying to find someone to support him and help him. There's no interest. For love or money, there's no interest. So he does it on his own. Um, so it was fantastic to spend a bit of time with him. Um, but this is it. Um, about 80 people live, well, probably a couple of, uh, couple of kilometers from there. Um, and um, yeah, so, so this is where we were. Um, what to say about this, really, other than the fact that uh, it's, it's a place where um, the community want to try to bring others from outside there, uh, I guess, the Dispara, the other Murawari people who have actually left their country. So the idea is to create, this is their, their, their desire, is to create an opportunity to bring back home, if you like, on country, the many thousands, if you like, that have actually left country and to help them go through a healing process and that sort of stuff. Um, this is Freddie. So we all met Fred, and um, extraordinary man, quite an extraordinary man. Um, he's in his uh, ute, he's a traveler. Um, best way of describing him, warm and welcoming, wise and loving, learned and well-read, experienced and well-traveled, humble, but also an activist. Involved in forming, you might have heard of the Uluru Statement, which came out two or three years ago. But an immediate friend, determined and patient. One of those lovely people that you feel as though you've known for a long time. And he was our, I guess, our way into understanding and thinking and um, appreciating the life that he's been through, but also his First Nation family have been through as well. What did I learn from him? Well, I learned about his heart for his nation, his heart for his people, the deep respect for the land. And he spoke about how it's through the land that he understands the love of his, his greater power. He doesn't talk about God in the same sort of way, but it's, it's through that that he sees the love. He spoke about the trauma of his people, his history, which is incredibly complex. He also spoke, challenged us as well. And one thing that really struck me, he said there's many young men in his community that see prison as a rite of passage. You know, what's going on if that's the case? What's going on? And he also spoke a little bit about, he, in terms of the law, that's the, I guess, the white man's law, that he wonders whether he really is a citizen of this country or not. 
he's learned, he's writing a book about that. Um, but it was a wonderful experience to be with him. I didn't have so much to do with the, uh, the aunties, because they had their own source of wisdom, both Christian, maybe um, we'll hear about that as well. So that was Fred, um, extraordinary man, someone with great knowledge and wisdom that I can learn from and we can all learn from. Next one. This is where I'd love to be. I'd love to be out on, in the bush, if you like. Um, I'd love to be able to spend time in this place. Um, what I try to do is to go and explore again, to go and look at the little things. You know, we're, we're, we've grown up and we're brought up to see the extraordinary big things of man, you know, and women. We can change things so easily in so many ways. We try to control the environment. We try to make it into what we desire it to be. But ultimately, this is the place that we depend upon. It's our planet. It's our earth that we depend upon for so much, for our sustainability into the future, for the inspiration it provides us with for the little connections and interconnections that allow this extraordinary planet to exist and to function in the way that it does. This is a little bit of what I wanted to try and see there and experience there. It holds great value to me. And because it holds great value to me, not just in my soul, in my spirit, but also in my provision, it's, it's so valuable that I want to protect it, look after it, care for it, not just for myself, for my kids, but for the future. So a big part of me going on this was to understand a bit more of that link and that relationship, probably through Aboriginal eyes, mostly, but also through scientific eyes, all that sort of stuff. So there's, there's beauty in this place to be observed, but also there's huge respect for me to, I guess, share as well. So that's, uh, that's a big part. Last one, nearly finished. Um, not that one, the one before. It's a gate. And I guess this is, you know, when we go away with draw, we come back. And hopefully there's things in us that have changed. We're transformed by the experience. Otherwise, it's not, I don't know if it's worth going or not, but I, I choose to come back having been changed. So I come back with questions. Where is my country? Now, you can take that as shallow, as deeply as you like, but where is my country? Where do I find rest for my soul? Who are my people? And I think I can answer those questions reasonably well, but also it helps me to understand where other people call their country. And that's important as well for us when we obviously um, relate to people. Now, the open gate I guess it, to me, it says there's an openness. We, we need to travel, we need to go and experience what is out there. You know, we can't lock the gate, but we can actually go. And, but we need to have hearts of, which are curious, which are willing to learn and understand and listen. But actually, out there, you could say out there, is, is the places that we need to go to. Maybe those hard places. As far as the First Nations, well, I want to be involved in further steps of reconciliation. Um, I want to be active, not passive, not just to learn and listen, but also actually to do something. How that comes about, 
Well, obviously, I teach about it, but I think I need to be more active in terms of speaking to my politicians, speaking to the people, in a sense, who have got opportunity to, to make change. I can make little changes, but I can knock on doors and I can irritate others to hopefully change things as well. I can pray, and that's the big part of this as well. I can pray and improve and think about how their lives can be made better, not for the reasons that I want, but for the reasons that they find are important. So that's a little bit. We went away, came back. Um, overall, I'm better informed. I've got a deeper understanding. I found great joy in being with these guys and experiencing something of a journey with them. But I think I came back better equipped to pray and to be active. So they're young ones. You know, I'm getting on 60 now. But find something, seek out something which stirs your heart, particularly for those who don't have it as good as you do, the injustices of this world. We're, as Christians, spoken to, to be actually in those areas, those hard areas, those tough areas. And that's okay, because it's those places that change us. And that's where Jesus is also found. So hopefully a bit of time maybe to pray at the end. But that's me. Thank you, Hugh. Thanks for listening. Thanks, mate. Mate, come and join me. Now, you wouldn't have known that Hugh was 60 by the way he was working harder than Nate or I <laughs> with the shovel. But, um, Nate, I, I've, I've, shared, I've asked each of these guys just to share some <clears throat> like a memorable experience or things that they... they um... Did you have notes? Yeah, <laughs> Do you want to go get them? to share a memorable experience or things that they've kind of that they're bringing back with them as they come back so um uh we had we were just blessed i won't gush too much but we were blessed by this young man joining us so over to you mate okay so the only 14 year old on this trip right and you probably think i'm crazy but i am but um so the reason why i wanted to go out here was because well in school for many of you you wouldn't have gone through this but in australian school system they will tell you about the different atrocities that we've committed, the different tragedies, the different things that we have done, but they won't tell you about the peoples. They won't tell you too much on about their culture. They won't tell you too much about who they are. So one of the big reasons why I wanted to go. The other reason was because, you know, this is outback Australia. I've never been there. It's like red sand and everything, or red dirt, I don't know what it's called. But, and long grass, snakes, that would have been cool, but we didn't see one, sadly. Um, so yeah, that was why I wanted to go. So I went on this trip expecting lots. When I got there, it was a real punch in the face, because the first thing I experienced is dozens of dozens of flies. Now, there was, there was an explorer that came to Australia once, and he was like, he came, this was like the Dutch, way before the English arrived, and he came, and when he came, the first thing he said, he wrote it on a plaque and he left it in Australia and he said, too many flies. And then he sailed back. <laughs> and I can attest to what he said because I hated it for the first couple of days. And then, oh, and then that's not even the worst of it. Once the flies were gone, we were right next to a creek where we're camping. The mosquitoes came out. And these aren't just your Australian, like, small little ones that buzz in the corner. No, these guys are like vampires. They are like coming in swarms and coming at you and they're sucking your blood and you're having to use the, um, the what's it called, aerospray or something as if it was like cologne. 
because it's just that horrible. So I wake up the next morning, and we're, we're sleeping in swags, and the only air vent so that we get air, air ventilation is like a mesh net right next to our head. And of course, because mosquitoes can like sniff you out and stuff, I don't know how they do it, but um, they can sniff you out. They are right next to your head as you wake up. And you, you won't normally hear them, but you do. You hear them. You hear the, the high-pitched buzzing of, of their wings, and it's horrid. <laughs> it's horrid. I hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can tell where I'm going with this. This, this, is, this is God's sense of humor. He's like, oh, you think you're having a good time? Nah, 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 I'll teach you a different lesson. <laughs> so so um, the lesson I really, really learned was that it's going to be uncomfortable doing this sort of thing. Because the relationship we have with these people is so torn up, it's so destroyed, it's so twisted, and it's still quite twisted. It's to untangle this knot, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's the message I learned, and it was, it was painful, but after the second day, I would wake up with all my, like, I would be dirty by now, I would be wearing the same pair of pants for five days straight, and I would be, I would be, I felt amazing, it was, it was eye-opening, you would wake up and the horizon was beautiful, it was clear, it was like the great shade of purple and orange, and it was just amazing, and it just reminds you that, wow, God is an artist. So, one of the other things that I experienced up there was the Aboriginal people. They, or Murrawari Nation people, as they would probably preferably be called. And the dude, Fred, who you saw up there in his van. Well, because of the, all the tragedies I've learned at school, the first thing I thought is that they would show um, animosity, I think that's the word, and they would show hate towards us, but he, but he didn't. He invited us in, and one of the things he told us is that for him, he believes they can't kick out 2.5 million people out of their country. And the only way to fix this is for us to be hospitable to each other. Yeah? And he, so yeah, and he was, a, he was amazing. And one of the things he really taught me was these people are people. They are not, how do you say it? Like a tragedy that happened in our past. They are not some people that we can be separated from and we'll be fine. No, no, no. These people are people who live with us, who we are working with to make this a better place. Hmm. One, uh, one of my greatest memories was last night we had Fred, really sad, but it was just like dark and there was a campfire, campfire. And we were learning about the different stories. We were learning about the different things that we would do Oh, sorry, that he believed. Because, you know, in Aboriginal times, they didn't have schools, but they somehow had a caste system where they would have people who are more educated than the others talking to each other around a campfire. And it, it's truly amazing, really. But you would, the elders, the people who've gone through all this, who are the most educated, they would be sharing, it would just be questioning people, and I think it's what they called a yarn, just really sitting around, just talking. That's all it was. That's the education system. And instead of being engineers, instead of being scientists, mathematics, instead of being, they were quite musicians, but not being like that technical, musical sense. 
They were philosophers, theologians. They had wealth of knowledge that we would presume to be useless. So it was eye-opening. It was amazing. And Fred, great philosopher. Um, and um, while I was there, there was a picture that I had on the last day. So we were sharing what we're doing. And I was like, God, God, what are you going to give me? And of course, he gives it to me like the last second as it's going around the circle. And I'm like four people away from doing it. And he hits me with um, the picture of stars, the, a sky full of stars, the pitch black sky of stars when all the lights are out. And he's the comparison between the stars out there and the stars out here. Stars out there are bright, they're shining, there's nothing. It's just all there. While here, it's a bit clouded, a bit misty. But the thing is, they're the same sky. We are, I don't know, like probably like an hour flight away from each other. And yet the sky, something so massive and in the same country, is so different. How is that even possible? Because we have distractions. We have things in our place that we have put in ourselves. This isn't something that was there before. We put it there, and then we made trouble for ourselves. And we, just like we have to untangle this knot of our relationship with the Aboriginal people, we have to untangle the distractions. We have to untangle where we are. And then maybe our sky will be fuller. And then maybe, and not maybe, but our sky will be brighter. It'll be a beautiful, beautiful constellations. It'll be bright. And, yeah. Well done, dude. Awesome. I could listen to Nate preaching all day, but I'd love to just finish up by hearing from Viv. Viv, come and join me. We'd love to hear what you have to share. Thank you. Go for it. Thank you. Um, before I do, okay, you have to imagine. <laughs> All right. I, I think it was about eight hours of sleep. I can't, no, it wasn't. It was less than that. So a swag. All right. You got the rib here. You got the rib here and the little one down the bottom, particularly for short people. And if you want to turn over, you can turn over okay. That's all right. But I had this lump here. So, you know, picked the wrong spot. So the whole night I was just sort of, you know, working my way, my body around it and doing whatever. But then in the morning, when you, like, so I put my knees up because I've got a bad back. And as soon as you put the knees up next to the gauze, the mozzies on the other side bite your knees. <laughs> so I ended up with these really red, red knees on the first night. It was quite um, novel. Yeah. Um, so, but I will go through the swag experience all over again, just so you know, all right? Um, it, yeah, it was, that was a very cultural experience. Okay, I'm going to start a little differently. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. And you can read, of course, her for that as well. All right, you literary buffs. In fact, all of you should have read this book. Where's it from? Thank you. To Kill a Mockingbird. 
Um, and can I just say that that just kept coming back to me over and over again. And I'm going to start with Auntie Vera and Auntie Josie, these two beautiful, beautiful women who were the most welcoming, loving women I've ever known. And I have to tell you, um, I probably got hugged more by them um, in a few days than I think I've been hugged in a long time. So um, it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it was lovely to have that, uh, I don't know, it was almost like a sisterhood thing where, you know, we, we were comparing skin. And, you know, I'd go next to Auntie Vera and say, geez, you've got great skin. And, and you know, it's this beautiful golden brown, and but it's really smooth and she's my age. <laughs> and she said, oh, it's the bush medicine, you know, and we went out with them and um, experienced the bush tucker and the bush medicine so that we could really get a grasp of, you know, how simple that part of their life is, but just how profound it is as well. Um, and she seriously did have this most, uh, yeah, beautiful skin. She didn't like her grey hair much, but, you know... Um, these two are sisters and they rib each other to death. It was so funny. So, you know, the, the older one would say to the younger one, no, that's not right. No, no, no. You can eat that red berry and you use it for this and so on. Um, and that, but then they were so encouraging of each other as well. So it was a beautiful um, relationship with them. And... I guess um, from there, that was probably about day three or four that we got to go out with them. And it was just a, uh, a lovely time of just wandering. You know, like I'm watching for any log with a potential snake under it. And they're sort of just saying, and we had snake gators on. Have you ever seen snake gators? They're, they're quite cool, actually. Um, and you do feel quite secure in them, but they don't need them. Uh, so when we went out with them, it was just this wandering through the bush and it was really like their home. Well, it is their home. And that concept of, of on country, that concept of belonging is so, so inherent in who they are. So their identity is so wound up in that. And we got a great sense of that with all the different foods that we tried, um, as well as just what their wealth of knowledge is and um, yeah they continue to practice so I guess from them I so got this you know the Micah 6 8 verse of to act justly love mercy walk humbly for them they want so much for um, connection they want so much for us to be uh, together in our love for each other um, regardless of who we are. So it, it was a great sense of that um, beautiful simplicity. But this, the hardest part about that simplicity is that there is still that constant understated confusion and degradation of their treatment in the past. It's always there, but they don't verbalise it. Fred did, and Fred was very, very eloquent in what he could tell us. Um, but they don't. But we weren't to go 
close... Well, we didn't go to their community and I think the reason is that there were a few people, quite a few, who were not really happy with us being there. So it was a wise move and certainly don't forget, we were the guinea pigs. This was the initial on-country experience. And so the whole thing of respect and um, just wanting to do the right thing in our, and, and while we learn um, was really, really important. So um, these two women had no distrust of us at all as white people, but um, the community probably did. And in fact, Fred told us that the, the kids, there were, you know, the six kids go to the school, they circled us for two days. They're on their, what are those bikes? They're, you know, they had bikes like Scrambler box, yeah. Um, and, and we'd see them. And wherever we went, there they were. They are on those bikes, you know, around. They're on holidays. They can do what they like. And then he said, that's what they're doing. They're checking you out. And they'll, you know, they'll come to you soon. And they did this. They did this. And then it got closer and closer until they finally came to us. And it was quite amazing just to see that what Fred had said was what they were doing. So there is that hesitation. And the best part of that experience was that they took us into their classroom. And the classroom is a beautiful space. Heaps of air conditioners, thankfully. Um, thank you. But the whole, um, oh, I guess, surroundings of that classroom were really attractive, you know, and it was all about their work and their relationship with their teacher and, um, you know, you had very well resourced. So we were, you know, really, really thankful to see that. But they talked with such pride about their school and that's the thing that, you know, we really, I guess, were there for in lots of ways. So the idea of it continuing is really important. However, the reality is that they don't have any of those school-age kids left in the community. So that within five years, they will be down to two students, we think. Um, and the Department of Education has promised that they will keep that school open for two children. But for the community, they really want to encourage their... Um, their people back so that they can have that continuity of uh, education, of uh, living, living on Murawari land. So um, it's something just to really think about. You know, imagine a school with two children uh, and a principal. And this guy was amazing, by the way, just so you understand. He's been there um, three years and he has points now to go anywhere he wants in the state to transfer, but he's choosing to stay. And um, that says a lot about him. Um, yes, yeah, so um, the community was over a field. So we'd be in the school and the community we could see in the distance. And all I could think about was that the kids have to cross these fields every day to come to school. Or now they do have a bus where Michael will go and pick them up. Have I got the right name? Michael? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, and... All I could think of was, you know, can't we walk across there and see their community, except that those fields, I believe, were seething with snakes. They probably weren't, but, you know, my imagination had them there. Um, anyway, so uh, I just wanted to say that Vera and Josie blessed us with, as we built this 
beautiful, functional Barbie footpath, sand pit. And then the other thing that we did was a library. Can we put that one up? There's just two. Yeah, so a bit hard to see, but we weren't doing this. We just said to Michael, before he left to go to Bathurst to go home, he said, what do you need in the school apart from this amazing barbecue we're building? And he said, well, and he was really, really reticent to say, I'd love you to move the books from this building to that building and do something with them. And so we just ended up with a pile of books, walked into this room and went, okay, that's a challenge. Um, but we did have shelving as well. And so by the end of about four hours, I think it was, with about six to yeah, seven of us working, we did the Dewey Decimal System and we did the categorising of preschool, primary school, um, junior and whatever, yeah. Um, and honestly, by the end of it, we were so proud of this room that had been a staff room with just everything in it, scattered around everywhere. And we just made sense of this room and we're just so looking forward to hearing what he has to say when he gets back from holidays, which would be about now. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. It was lovely, lovely, lovely to work with these women in such a way that, you know, at the end of it was this great product. Um, and we got to learn a lot about Aboriginal culture because a lot of the, the books were about that. Um, so really, the conversation that we had with Fred um, really started early on about white attitudes um, of supremacy and superior knowledge. He used this word supremacy a lot, and I actually got really quite not, not offended, I wasn't offended at all, but that unnerved, because to me, white supremacists are the neo-Nazis and the skinhead, you know, look and all the rest of it. And it dawned on me that that's what white people have been to them. You know, that's how extreme it is. And I have always thought that many of the stories must have been blown out of proportion. I don't anymore. I, I do understand from um, his perspective. I don't, haven't experienced it, but just the understand, wanting to connect and understand what they've been through is, is so important. Um, as others have said, profound depth of knowledge Fred had about past legislation, um, which was meant to be for the good of the Aboriginal people. And let me tell you, they don't want to be called Indigenous. They're either Aboriginal or First Nations is what they would prefer. So I learnt. Um, and from his perspective, it was the flip side of legislation that often was the truth. That is that it in fact wasn't for the Aboriginal people, but it was more for um, white people's benefit of the legislation. And I found that very difficult because I've always believed that, you know, law and legislation was for the good of all, but it wasn't. Um, there was a sense of keeping Aboriginal populations subjugated and, and separate. Um, but I think that the attitudes are definitely changing. He can see that, but it's going to be a long, long process and you don't undo that so quickly. And he's not angry. 
and his desire is for understanding on how to rectify the past. Most importantly, he is about being a voice for true reconciliation and Aboriginal self-determination because they know what they need, not just for their survival, but to thrive. And the thing against them at the moment, of course, is that they have so few people out there on their land, um, the people who belong there, that that is their one of their big issues. And so the desire to uh, encourage them back is very, very strong. Um, and from there, I've got a great sense that their belonging to country is their identity. So when they're away from country, they still possess it, they still have it, but there isn't the reality of it each day. Fred lives in Tamworth, but he's up at Morawari quite often, I believe. Um, and just on a side note, Mandy Anderson from the Evening Congregation and I went to Tamworth for a couple of days and, Ted, and um, Fred had a, um, what was it, a lamb roll, you know, little van thing. Yeah, he had a red van, and it was this lamb brought up on saltbush, I think it is, um, and it, it was great. It was fantastic, because we were there, and it turned out to be the country music festival that they'd held over from Australia Day, so it was kind of fun. It was great to see him in that context, too, and, you know, it was great, yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess I stopped writing notes at this point, because... I didn't want to formalise the, the things um, that have been learnt because there's so many of them. There, there's this um, wanting to, you know, um, make things easy for them and you can't do that. Um, there's the thing of, you know, we've possibly always thought that we were able to do things better. Um, but... I've found that that just isn't true. And so, you know, the, the learning is, is ongoing. Probably the most um, profound experience... Okay, 30 seconds. The most profound... I, I, thought, I didn't think I'd do seven minutes. There you go. Um, was the doing the smoking ceremony with them at the beginning. And I know this has different meanings for different Aboriginal people, but for me, we had to go down into um, this smoke from this fire and, and just be, I guess you could say, washed by it. Um, and there was that idea of, for me, it became like a real sense of Holy Spirit in a, a physical um, representation. And then we were asked back at the camp to take our shoes off so that we could feel the ground. And I think in that way, I started to get that whole understanding of that God is everywhere. Um, his presence is above, below, within. But the way that you understand that when you are out there, I think, takes on a new dimension. But it also made me realise that people have got different ways of experiencing um, God in um, so much about nature. I don't like the outback as a place. So I would like the green fields of England. Um, but, boy, there is just so much that is still percolating around. So, yeah, thanks. Well done, Viv. Thank you. I'm going to show you oh. Hugh's 
notes. Right. Yeah. These are Hugh's notes. He's a geography teacher. I'm an English teacher. Well, mine are scattered bits and pieces. He has this beautiful thing in a plastic sleeve. <laughs> so, these, thank you for patiently listening, guys. We're going to finish up our service there. But you can see there's lots more that these guys would love to tell you. So do come and ask them. Will you stand with me? We're just going to pray and we'll finish up and go and grab a coffee. Because... Uh, Time is very important to us in our Western culture. So it's important that we finish up. If you're interested, that's what we ended up building at the end. But come and ask us questions at the end. So, Father, we want to thank you that you love the Marawari people. We want to pray your blessing on Uncle Fred, Auntie Josie, and Auntie Vera this evening, this morning. Lord, we ask that you would bless them and all of the families living up at Wilmaringal. Lord, we thank you that you were there long before them that you know them, that you love them, that you love their culture and all their history. Lord, we ask that you would um, show us how we can continue to partner with you in that place and in the places that we go out to this week, in our work, in our school, in our communities, with our neighbours. Lord, show us how to partner with you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.